Welcome to Bioethics on Air, the program that brings you thoughtful, in-depth commentary on ethics at the crossroads of science, medicine, and daily life. I'm Joe Zaylot, your host. We are a broadcast of the National Catholic Bioethics Center in Philadelphia. On January 20th, 2022, the Catholic Healthcare Leadership Alliance, or CHCLA, was formally inaugurated in Washington, D.C. As stated on its website, catholichealthalliance.org, The mission of the CHCLA is to, quote, support the rights of patients and professionals to receive and provide health care in accordance with the moral, ethical, and social teachings of Jesus Christ and his church, unquote. The Alliance also seeks to, quote, renew Catholic health care by promoting the moral and social doctrines of the magisterium and the ethical and religious directives of Catholic health care, unquote. Joining me today to talk about the Catholic Healthcare Leadership Alliance, including its origin, purpose, and goals, are Stephen White, the Alliance's first president, and Joseph Meany, president of the NCBC, which is one of the Alliance's founding members. Steve White, welcome, and Joseph Meany, welcome back to Bioethics on Air. Thanks, Joe. Great to be with you. And Joseph. Yes, wonderful to be here. All right, Steve, you are a new guest on our podcast, and I as I always ask new guests on our podcast, can you tell our listeners a bit about your background, specifically a little bit about your education, your work experience, and your current work? Sure, Joe. As one of your colleagues, uh, Marie Hilliard likes to say, I'll give you the Cliff Notes version. How's that? Um, but I do have to take you back to my childhood because um, you know this is all about our Catholic faith and incorporating that into our practices, uh, into the healthcare system. I had eight years of primary education with outstanding Dominicans, so good formation, grew up in a Catholic family. All right, uh, shout but, out for the Dominicans there. Shout out for the Dominicans. But high school, although it was Catholic, was uh, kind of a disaster back in the 60s. Uh, and then college, medical school, and all of my medical training was in, were in secular institutions. So when I started medical practice 40 years ago, although, as I like to say, I was nominally Catholic, you know, did all the right things to look like I was Catholic. Really, my faith had very little to do with my practice. And in fact, they taught you not, not to get involved in, in, you know, in that sense. So I started practice, had a successful practice for 10 years, and then something in my life personally that was uh, really a challenge to my faith uh, about 10 years in led me to a conversion in my faith. And um, you know, my, my, eighth, my eighth grade faith, I realized, was inadequate my knowledge of the faith. So I just dove into sacred scripture, sacred tradition, started reading encyclicals. In fact, I, I tell the funny story of the first encyclical I wrote was Humanae Vitae. And when I saw it in English, I was kind of surprised because I thought they were in Latin. I thought, I can't read this. It's in Latin. But in any event, that was really a, a transformative time in my life and, and led me to the Catholic Medical Association. It happened to be at the same time that the uh, Clintons were in their first office you know, uh, of president. And uh, I was really seriously concerned, not from a faith perspective, but uh, just from a medical practice perspective, that the government and corporate control of medicine wouldn't be a good thing. Um, I'd spent, you know, 15, 16 years of my life becoming a physician, and I really didn't want a, a bureaucrat, you know, either in corporate medicine or, or the government to, to tell me how to practice. So I found the CMA. Over the course of time, uh, I became the president at the national level, and, and obviously began incorporating my faith into my practice, got very involved in public advocacy. My first spiritual director was really a scholar of the social teachings of the church, which were really important in my formation. And I really think all of that background, which, which covers the course of almost 30 years, Joe, brought me to the point uh, that we're at now with the CHCLA, which we hope will be provide the leadership that's needed today to, to really renew uh, the Catholic, uh, the living Catholic tradition of healthcare throughout the country. And as president, I'm privileged to, to work with Joseph and, and the other founding leaders uh, to hopefully do this. Yeah. Steve, what's your medical specialty? Just, I'm just a pulmonologist. So I'm a pulmonologist and a critical care physician. Practice where do you in practice? This area in Daytona Beach, Florida for the last 30 years and uh, actually 36 years. So uh, it's been a great, uh, in fact, I work in the hospital that I was born in. <laughs> Full circle. All right, so let's get into the um, let's get into our topic for discussion today. So, Steve, I'm going to start off with you, and then and then Joseph, uh, please follow up. Steve, briefly, can you tell us what is the Catholic Healthcare Leadership Alliance, and why was it formed? 
Sure. Well, it's a coalition of organizations, well-formed um, uh, organizations that have been doing great work in uh, within the realm of Catholic health care, some for decades, the Catholic Medical Association, the National Catholic Bioethics Center, the Catholic Bar Association, the Catholic Benefits Association, and the Christ Medicus Foundation. And then recently, our first health system member is the Franciscan Alliance. But the, but the impetus behind it, Joe, you know, we've been challenged in Catholic healthcare for decades, really. If you, if you go back to the time of the council in the 60s, lots of things have happened and, and many of them not good. So we really saw the need, uh, as did Bishop Connolly, the chair of our Episcopal Advisory Committee, to bring these groups together. They were doing great work in their own silos, but we, unique, we needed a strong, united voice uh, to promote and to safeguard and then to strengthen a Catholic healthcare and, and, and lead it out, uh, you know, help to defend it in, in the state that we're in, but not only to defend it, but to promote its ancient uh, living tradition, something that's so rich and so beautiful um, and, and is, uh, you know, could be lost. So, so that's really how we've, we got together and began to found this. Yeah. Joseph, your comments on, on, the, uh, on the, the, the Catholic Healthcare Leadership Alliance and why it was formed. I really think that the CHCLA has a strong origin in concern for the state of Catholic health care, for the, the state of the debate about health care. And one of, the, one of the big issues, I think, is that there are many, many secular people who look at health care without any spiritual dimension whatsoever. And, you know, we're so incredibly blessed in the United States to have Catholic health care, Catholic hospitals, Catholic health care systems, Catholic health care professionals, um, and they truly believe their faith and they bring their faith to work. And that's a good thing. But unfortunately, there are tremendous amounts of regulations and, and proposals and even, I would just say, cultural ambiance that goes against that and says, wait a second, you know, the only thing that matters is saving the body, right? Saving the soul and helping people at the end of life and the pastoral care of families who, who are, you know, anguished with their loved ones and the patients themselves who need to know that their healthcare workers share their values and are doing everything they can to save them, that they're not influenced by the culture of death, that they, they truly have a spiritual concern, not just for their, their physical well-being, but also for their eternal well-being. Well, that kind of perspective, I think, really needs to be promoted and defended. And CHCLA is going to be doing that. And that's one of the reasons I'm so excited about it. Yeah. Steve, coming back to you, I was wondering, was there any particular event or, or trigger, that seems to be the word today, that inspired the organization's formation? Well, I honestly think, because I believe that this is a work of the Holy Spirit, I think this is something that's been in formation for decades, Joe. There have been so many challenges. As I said, each of these organizations has been around for a while, and they've been addressing the challenges uh, that we're facing and that Joseph alluded to. But I think if there were one event that may have really stimulated this and got each of the leaders in these organizations thinking about this, it was the passage and implementation of the Affordable Care Act, you know, in its promotion of contraception and, and abortivations and now transgender procedures. Uh, it really was a wake-up call. And, and they've been so aggressive, not only about promoting this, uh, but denying those of us who would oppose this, not only on the basis of our faith, certainly on the basis of our faith, but based on our best medical judgment, the, the, the vigorous denial of our conscience rights and religious liberty, I think really woke us all up. We knew that we needed to come together for that strong, united voice that I mentioned. Yeah. Joseph, same question, particular event or trigger that uh, for you inspired the organization's formation? Well, I mean, I responded very positively as soon as I was I was reached. So I, I only started with uh, the NCBC in 2019, but not so long after I became president, uh, this conversation started. And I think uh, Bishop Conley of Lincoln, Nebraska, really did a wonderful service in urging the CMA and then the NCBC to be a part of this coalition to, to start something new that would have a big impact. Great. All right. So, Joseph, back to you uh, for the next question. Can you tell us about the process of forming the CHCLA? For example, who was involved with the original planning? How long did it take to get the project off the ground? What challenges or obstacles did you run into in, in forming the new alliance? So, you know, I think it, it was very interesting to see how it, it formed very naturally. 
in a sense, um, the actors who had been involved in different ways kind of knew each other. And so there was a there was quickly um, a core group that kind of coalesced. And and I really have to to say that Steve White was really the soul of this. It was so wonderful to to have him uh, engaging with all of us. And and then I, you know, if I, I want to take second fiddle a little bit, right? But but I, I tried to support him as much as I possibly could. Uh, because it was it was in the beginning it, it seemed like an insurmountable challenge, right? How are we going to create a national organization? We're all busy doing things all the time in the midst of COVID, you know, and the pandemic and all these other problems. And how is this going to actually take off and be a realistic possibility? And yet I was so amazed to see things falling into place one after another, you know, getting the the, the legal basis for it, you know, squared away, getting getting the funding, seed money coming in, having, having uh, really good people show up to help us and guide through the process. Even, you know, providentially, we, we had one person who we thought was going to be wonderful and then was not able to help us. And another person came on and it ended up being like, you know, incredible. So so it seemed like throughout the whole process of, of formation, uh, it did take time, right? I mean, it was a process that lasted over a year. But nonetheless, we were making steady progress in every step of the way, the, the different obstacles, which seemed huge in the beginning, you know, the, the financial obstacles and maybe even, you know, all the putting into place all the legal and, and administrative requirements, all those things seemed to, to get resolved re- rather quickly. So it felt like a, a very beautiful unfolding, if you will. Uh, it, it took time, but, but it was definitely something that felt very blessed. Yeah, divinely inspired. Yeah. Steve, same question. Uh, talk about the process of forming the CHCLA. You know, I really can't say much more than Joseph just did. He encapsulated that very well. My only my only comment is that um, when I f- first felt inspired to do this, and we had a few meetings, um, I was clueless. I, I just I said, I, God, I, I think this is within your providence. I, I, I it's something that I've longed for. You know, to to have a united voice with these different organizations that I've been working with for years. But you know, you're just going to have to be there uh, to help us. And I can tell you after literally two years of formation to the launch. Um, I just believe firmly, as I know my partners do on the board of directors, that this was within God's providence. And, and I don't think it can be said any better than that. Yeah. Great response. All right. I'd like to uh, talk a bit about the five founding members of the Catholic Healthcare Leadership Alliance. So I'll identify each of the groups and I'll ask um, one of you to briefly describe what the group is and also tell us what unique and essential gifts they bring to the CHCLA. So Joseph, I'll give you an easy one first. The NCBC. (laughs) <laughs> yes, indeed. So we really see ourselves within the CHCLA as kind of the ethics voice, the ethics education piece of, of what we're going to be doing. We're going to be extremely involved with that. I think the true strength of the NCBC is we're such a large um, and historical organization with so many ethicists, such a strong track record of working productively with the church and with Catholic healthcare. So in a sense, we provide a lot of credibility for the Alliance, that this is a serious organization, that it's going to be very faithful to Catholic teaching, that we're going to work constructively with the bishops and with Catholic healthcare. And so I really see the the part of the NCBC within CHCLA as providing a lot of the ethics input, but also providing a lot of the connections that are needed for the organization to go, to go forward. Very good. Steve, the Catholic Medical Association. Sure. I mean, that's a pretty obvious connection. I mean, this is about healthcare and renewing Catholic healthcare. And the Catholic Medical Association, too, fortunately, has a, a, a storied history dating back to the 1930s and um, has really uh, weathered the storm of the last 60 years and never faltered in its commitment to the truth, uh, you know, dating back to Humanae Vitae and all the controversies uh, that have arisen since then. So you have a group of faithful Catholic physicians and other allied healthcare professionals, and there are members of the Catholic Medical Association in other fields. So uh, we bring the medical expertise uh, and knowledge and particularly experience. Uh, the vast majority of Catholic physicians and allied healthcare professionals in the CMA are, are working at the ground level. Uh, we have academics as well, but you know you have doctors that that uh, are on the front line. They know what the challenges are. They know what needs to be done. They just don't have the expertise and 
uh, the knowledge to do it, which is why it's an alliance of organizations who cover experience and expertise in all facets of healthcare. So the CMA brings that that medical experience and expertise that's necessary. Yeah. And you mentioned before you're a past president of the CMA? Yes, back in 2005. And you're also still involved uh, in the governance. I'm, I'm thinking the, the health policy committee and and things like that. So you're still very heavily involved with the Oh, CMA. yeah. I'm on the board. I've been on the board yep. really since I've been a president. Uh, so over 15 years, it's been a, it's been a great uh, run and a great privilege to do it. But uh, now I'm really going to focus my attention. I've been given the privilege to be the representative to this organization. So I'll be focusing a lot of my attention uh, on the CACLA. Yeah. Love the CMA. You guys, I love your conferences. Great organization. Joseph, next member organization is the Catholic Benefits Association. Yes. So this is a great group uh, headed up by Doug Wilson out in Colorado. The origin of the CBA, the Catholic Benefit Association, was essentially the Affordable Care Act, Obamacare, and the the contraceptive mandates and, and other mandates coming out from that and the need for uh, the Catholic Church and Catholic organizations to find ways to provide health care and health insurance that did not cover uh, immoral procedures. And so they fought very important battles and they continue to do so in court, but also to provide very good advice to uh, Catholic dioceses and, and Catholic organizations on, on how to uh, have benefits that do not violate Catholic teaching. And so that's a, a wonderful organization and, and really provides the CHCLA with a, a great vision of, you know, how do we exist as Catholic entities um, in, in this regulatory environment where sometimes, you know, you're being required to do things that violate Catholic teaching, but there are, there are legal remedies and then they have shown the way in that. So it's, it'll be a, a very good resource for the CHCLA just to have that track record of fighting for truly Catholic benefits. Yeah. And, uh, Catholic Benefits Association, or CBA, again, very good friends of the NCBC. Doug Wilson, uh, great friend. And for podcast listeners, Doug has been on the podcast, as, as well as some of the other representatives of the CBA. So you know, please go and listen to those. Steve, the next organization, the fourth or the fifth, is the Catholic Bar Association. Sure. That's uh, actually the most recently developed uh, of the organizations. I think the Catholic Bar Association really was uh, another gift from God after the convocation that was held um, by the bishop back in 2017. Josh McCaig was the founding legal member of that, and Josh is uh, representing the Catholic Bar Association on the uh, CHCLA board. And obviously, there are lots of legal ramifications uh, to renewing and and restoring Catholic health care, not only uh, the defense of uh, religious liberty and conscience, uh, but we have a vision for you know, clinic development and alternative healthcare uh, delivery systems. And there are a lot of legal aspects to forming corporations and doing that. Uh, Josh has been invaluable for us developing the 501c3, the whole corporate infrastructure for this organization. So without that legal uh, experience and expertise, uh, we wouldn't be where we are. And so so that's the Catholic Bar Association's, um, you know, contribution to the group. Yeah. I met Josh at the inaugural event and look forward to uh, maybe working with him more in the future. Joseph, the last of the five organizations or founding organizations is the Christ Medicus Foundation. Yeah, this is a wonderful group based in Detroit, headed up by Lewis Brown. And Lewis is such an amazing individual. Uh, had a wonderful- I love convert- Lewis. Yeah, no, he is. He's he's uh, everyone who knows him just just raves about how wonderful he is. But you know, he had great experience. He worked at Health and Human Services, had a lot of experience in DC, but also as a lawyer has fought a lot of public policy battles for religious liberty and conscience rights. The Christ Medicus Foundation also is involved in healthcare sharing. So they're very involved in in the whole process of delivering health care and, and helping families to, to get health care at good prices and, and health care that respects Catholic values. You know, the only things that they pay for are procedures that, that are in conformity with Catholic teaching. And so they're involved on a whole number of levels uh, on the, the side of kind of organizing healthcare delivery uh, in a way that is, is very conformed to, to Catholic teaching, but also very, very well connected in DC, in public policy circles and in, in health circles. So they provide a, a real benefit to the CHCLA, particularly with the DC connections that they have. So we're very blessed to have the Christ Medicus Foundation helping us. 
Yeah, Lewis is a great guy. I, I just uh, for for listeners, if you're if you're interested at all, and I think they have this on video. Steve, we did a a panel discussion at the the 2021 CMA meeting, and Lewis was on it. Joseph, you were on it. Megan Kraft as well, and Lewis just did a great job. So if if uh, I think that video is available, and people can go take a look at that, it's it's absolutely fantastic. Uh, great guy. Really happy. Uh, he and the Christ Medicus Foundation are are part of this new alliance. All right, Joseph, going back to you, the first hospital system member of the CHCLA is Franciscan Alliance. Can you tell us what is Franciscan Alliance and what unique gifts does it bring to the CHCLA? The Franciscan Alliance is a wonderful Catholic healthcare system based in Indiana, which is also in Illinois. And it's founded by the Sisters of St. Francis of Perpetual Adoration. And the sisters very much are at the heart and soul of that system. What, what makes it so special is that the sisters are very, very involved in all aspects of the Catholic identity and, and even the healthcare provision of, of that health system. And we've worked together with them very closely with the NCBC over the years, uh, but they have really embraced the vision of CHCLA, and they really want to sponsor it and endorse it and to, to make a, a strong national voice showing that, that Catholic healthcare providers and systems really endorse this vision of Christ-centered care. So we're very blessed to have their support, and we're working very closely with them to make the CHCLA uh, a strong you know, national voice. And, and it's wonderful to have all these different institutions because they're really the first of many, I think, that are going to be joining on and helping us to, to make the CHCLA an even larger organization. Yeah, that's a great segue into my next question for, to, uh, to Steve. Steve, how, as the president of the CHCLA, how do you plan to attract new members going forward? Well, you know, it's um, it's interesting. As I said, I think this is uh, all within God's providence. We've already had some outreach just from the launch and the material that we have up on the website. People, individuals um, have contacted uh, me personally. Uh, and we also have a plan for reaching out to, uh, to other health systems. Uh, as you may know, because the NCBC has uh, been involved in this, we also have probably uh, a dozen or more uh, very good Catholic clinics that are developing across the country. You mentioned Christ Medicus, and they're involved in that as well. Um, so those clinics are already on board in the sense that they've shown an interest. What we really are doing at this point is creating the infrastructure to bring them on. Uh, but I'm very optimistic over the next six to 12 months, we're going to see significant growth just based on people's interest in the mission. Right. All right, so let's let's change gears a bit and talk about the CHCLA itself. So the organiza the organization's vision statement reads, quote, the Catholic Healthcare Leadership Alliance is dedicated to renewing Catholic healthcare in harmony with the healing mission of Christ and his church, unquote. The alliance's mission statement reads, in part, quote, the mission of the CHCLA is to support the rights of patients and professionals to receive and provide health care in accordance with the moral, ethical, and social teachings of Jesus Christ and his church, unquote. Under the, web, uh, under the website page Christ-Centered Healthcare, the Alliance states that it, quote, seeks to renew Catholic health care by promoting the moral and social doctrines of the magisterium and the ethical and religious directives of Catholic health care, or the ERDs, unquote. Steve, starting with you, uh, these are some pretty bold statements. I love them, but they're, they're pretty bold statements. How in practical terms will the CHCLA work to implement its vision, mission, and commitment to Christ-centered care within Catholic healthcare today? And if it were not for the fact, Joe, that the tradition of Catholic healthcare dates literally back to the time of Christ, and particularly as we know it today, uh, for at least a thousand years, uh, it would be uh, overwhelming. It, it just simply would be. But we're not really recreating or, 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 or doing anything that hasn't already been done, but we're restoring and renewing. We mentioned that these five organizations, uh, with the exception of the Catholic Bar Association, which has only been with us for about five years, date back decades. They've been doing this work, but they've been doing it in their own silos. They've been educating. They've been evangelizing. We've been doing public advocacy. Um, but we need to bring all of that together uh, and literally just renew in our time as uh, a, a really nice quote that I found from St. John the 23rd inspired me to see. We're not really 
creating anything here, but we're just renewing and updating based on the times and the circumstances that we find uh, that we're in and the church finds herself in at this point, uh, the charism of Christ himself uh, and that living tradition of the church. And uh, the pillars that we've chosen are evangelization, education, uh, public advocacy, and mutual support. And we believe that that, uh, that framework or that recipe, if you will, is going to evolve very naturally. Uh, and we're just going to bring all of our experience and expertise into this alliance, along with all of the others who join us to carry out, uh, as you say, this bold mission. Yeah. I, I really like that line. This isn't something new, but it's renewal. And that, that, that does a really good, really good thought to keep in mind. Joseph, your comments on the mission, the vision of the uh, CHCLA. What I really liked about it and, and what I pushed for is that boldness. I, I think it's very important to stand clearly for something that is good, right? To proclaim something that most people do not hear. When you think about healthcare, most people today do not think about uh, a faith-filled experience. They think about technology. They think about drugs. They think about all kinds of different things, you know, that are very physical and materialistic. But, but actually, what really, really matters, what touches the heart, what, what helps a grieving family and a patient whose, whose life is in danger is to realize that these people who are taking care of, of his or her physical needs also love him and see Christ in him that they are struggling uh, and praying for this patient, not just you know, physically manipulating a piece of meat. <laughs> they're, they're truly, truly treating the person and not just an organ system. And that vision, I think, is incredibly attractive. You know, why should people want to go to a Catholic physician? Why should people want to go to a Catholic hospital? Because they get treated better. They, they receive the kind of treatment that you know they would get from Mother Teresa of Calcutta, from the saints, the, the the Catholic healthcare saints, who offer their lives in some cases during pandemics, right, to to care to go out and care for the sick who were abandoned by everybody else, <laughs> who are fleeing for their lives, and yet the priests were there to give them the sacraments, and and the Catholic healthcare professionals were were risking their lives to to come out for them, and I think that is something that is truly bold and truly beautiful. And that very few people have heard, you know, and, and, and yet it's our tradition. It's truly our tradition. And, and the amazing Catholic sisters who founded so many Catholic hospitals in the United States were sacrificing their lives in love to care for these patients. And why can't we continue and tap into that tradition and make it real again uh, where it's been lost or, or to enhance it where it's been continued, but, but to spread that out into the community and to have this contrasting vision from the secular ideology that's all materialism and all utilitarianism and it's all about crunching numbers and all kinds of things but the the actual person uh, body spirit and soul is kind of left out of that equa equation and yet we i think with the catholic healthcare leadership alliance have have a national voice then we can raise these issues you know is this truly in conformity with the dignity of the human person are, are we doing the best that we can in healthcare, or are we just talking about saving Medicare or finding some way to, to uh, fulfill a liberal agenda on gender ideology? No, no, right? We, we want to be truly compassionate and reach out to people in the worst possible moments of their lives, when they're dying, when their loved ones are dying. That is when they need Christ. They need that vision. So I think the CHCLA's message is, is an old message, but it's also a new message, so full of hope. And I think many, many people are going to be excited by that. Yeah. As you were speaking, Joseph, I'm thinking not just for the general public, but I'm thinking there's a lot of, and I've met a lot of healthcare professionals who want to work in that context. Right. That's what they're looking for. You know, they don't want the secular, materialistic, uh, utilitarian understanding. They want to. They want to actually practice medicine in this context. So, yeah, great thing there as well. Uh, Joseph, we're going to come back to you uh, with this question too. So, the CHCLA identifies three what it calls issue areas that it will focus on, uh, at least initially. The first is life and human dignity. The second is conscience and religious liberty, and the third is ministry renewal. So. 
In light of the Alliance's vision, its mission, and its commitment to Christ-centered care, what does the CHCLA seek to accomplish in these areas, and how do you define success? You know, there's so much excitement right now about the Dobbs case that's coming, you know, will be coming out from the Supreme Court, but the real possibility that Roe v. Wade could be reversed and, and that the states would actually be able to ban abortion, to severely limit abortion, that, that there's there's a real, it's, it's almost an earthquake in terms of we've felt so powerless over the years to actually make a difference and save so many lives and so many mothers from making a, a horrific choice. And so it's an exciting moment, I would say, in, in Catholic history and in, in U.S. history to see this real sea change just on the horizon, but it's going to create enormous challenges. It's going to reopen the debate as never before. It's going to provide amazing opportunities, but the other side is going to be unleashed as well. I mean, they're, they're just going to be fighting tooth and nail for abortion on demand in every possible context. So there's a need, I think, even more, even though the pro-life movement in the United States is so strong, there's a need for Catholic healthcare professionals, people interested in Catholic healthcare policy, healthcare policy in general, to stand up for these life and, and human dignity issues. And of course, assisted suicide is an ongoing tragedy that's expanding, and, and there needs to be an alternative vision that is, is well proclaimed and, and shown, and CHCLA can contri- contribute to that, I think. Uh, on the conscience and religious liberty issue, that's again, enormous, right? And then we face a lot of uh, current challenges from the Biden administration, but even from our, our cultural context. In, in so many parts of the country, um, the gender ideology is is very much being pushed and proclaimed. Uh, and, and so people have to, to resist against that and in healthcare as well. So there is just a, a lot of area there where professionals' consciences and institutional consciences, Catholic hospitals cannot be forced to do these terrible things, abortions and sterilizations and transgender surgeries and all the rest of it. And that needs to be defended very strongly. So CHCLA sees itself as, as part of that struggle and, and contributing to, to the good side on, on all those issues. And then finally, ministry renewal. One of the things that we have at the NCBC is the Catholic Identity and Ethics Review where we go with with Catholic hospitals and we look at all their different policies, all their different actions, their training, et cetera, to see how their Catholic identity can be strengthened. But I think that that same vision uh, CHCLA has of trying to to assist Catholic healthcare professionals and institutions to, to really look at their Catholic identity as a strength, something that makes them unique, makes them attractive, and that should not be watered down, but it Instead, should be, you know, their real selling point. Come to us. You're going to get Christ-centered care. Uh, you know, and if you don't want that care, go to the other hospital. That's fine, right? We're, we're not imposing this on anybody. We're proposing this. We're saying, look, we want truly Christ-centered care, the vision of the dignity of the human person, where we're going to be praying for you, where we're going to do everything we possibly can for you physically and spiritually. And if you want that, come to us. If you don't want that, go elsewhere. And you have other options. I mean, there's only one in six hospital beds in the United States that are Catholic hospital beds. So you've got five, five sixths you know, of, of the hospital beds you could go to elsewhere. But you know what? Having that real option, I think, is going to be extraordinarily attractive. And, and having that ministry renewal, I think, is, is going to save a lot of institutions that are having trouble and struggling financially. And, you know, they're looking for some way to attract patients. I think this is very attractive. Yeah. Steve, uh, comments from you on the, the three issue areas of life and human dignity, conscience and religious liberty, and ministry renewal. So ministry renewal is probably the primary focus because, as, as we've been talking about, we're restoring and renewing that living Catholic tradition. But in order to do that, I would say that we need to promote and defend simultaneously. Clearly, the assaults on Catholic health care, even on Hippocratic health care, is overwhelming today. And the reason that life and dignity and conscience and religious liberty is so important is we have to defend those. We have to defend the innocent, the vulnerable, uh, the unborn, the elderly, those who are you know, being told that to choose death is, is a legitimate um, way to relieve their pain at the end of life. These are things that need to be defended. But as Joseph just articulated so eloquently, really even more important 
is promoting uh, that Catholic tradition of healthcare because that's what people actually want. That's what's written on their heart. Uh, they may not know it. They may not articulate it in that fashion. But just a very brief little story, just something as simple as putting a crucifix up in my office about 25 years ago, each of my examining rooms has a crucifix. That opens up amazing things in a relationship between a doctor and a patient when they come in and see that crucifix. I don't have to impose anything upon them. They come to me because they know I'm open to that spiritual element of, of healthcare. So renewing the ministry is going to be, you know, renewing that element in particular, while at the same time, we're defending life and human dignity and defending our right to practice um, in conformity with our uh, consciences and our best medical judgment. Yeah. Just as both of you were speaking, I, I was just thinking, uh, particularly in terms of conscience and religious liberty, we we are recording this podcast on March 11th of 2022. And there's good reason to believe that within a month or so, um, the Biden administration is through the Department of Health and Human Services is going to issue a new rule that essentially says uh, insurance uh, carriers and healthcare uh, professionals have to uh, cover and provide the full range of medical uh, interventions for abortion, contraception, sterilization, uh, so-called gender-affirming care, all of these things. And this, I, I don't know if either one of you were going to speak about this later on. And if you were, I, I apologize for kind of hijacking here, but this seems to be just a huge conscience um, and religious liberty issue that I, I'm sure the, HC, uh, the CHCLA is going to be addressing moving forward. Yes, no, absolutely. I, I think it's it's you know it's not here yet, and maybe God God will send a miracle and it won't come out. But but all the indications are are very very clear that the intentions of the current administration and and Health and Human Services, which has been packed with people who are ideologically very extreme and radical, is to make an unprecedented attack against conscience and religious liberty rights on all those different issues you mentioned. And so there, there will have to be a concerted defense, a concerted opposition. You know, uh, clearly the legal side is going to be important, but also just have society made aware of how radical the proposal is. I mean, it would literally shut down all Catholic hospitals. They could not continue to operate as Catholic institutions if they had to follow these kinds of regulations. And Catholic healthcare professionals would not be able to exercise their professional work. I mean, you know, they would be required to do things that would, would completely be barred from their, their consciences as, as good Catholics. So it, it's really almost like a nuclear option that they're trying to, to launch. Now, fortunately, there is legal recourse. So these things can be objected to, they can be stopped in courts. You know, the Supreme Court of the United States is, is fortunately <laughs> uh, more sane than the current administration on these issues. Uh, so there may be ways to block it, but it's just such a terrible thing that there isn't consensus that we should be respecting the conscience rights of of our healthcare institutions and professionals and and the and the religious liberty of, of these institutions that are that are founded as Catholic healthcare ministries. It's really really a tragedy. Yeah, Steve, any comment? Just that it's a pivotal moment, and and it makes I think it brings to mind um, you know the fact that we're really in spiritual combat here. Yes, we have, uh, you know, we, we have to defend ourselves in court. We have to do public advocacy. But the, but the foundation of this has to be a prayer uh, because this is just good against evil. It's, it's become so stark. Uh, as Joseph said, this is the nuclear option. They're literally trying to make it illegal uh, for us to practice, uh, not only in accord with, with Catholic principles, but the ancient Hippocratic ethic is also uh, being challenged here. So it's a pivotal moment. Uh, prayer is extremely important, as well as uh, all of the good work that will be done both by the CHCLA and many other organizations. Yeah. And just with that in mind too, Joseph, as you were speaking, I, I was just thinking um, that one of the one of the founding members of Catholic Benefits Association does actually have legal protections for its members against the contraception and sterilization coverage mandates, and also, uh, I believe, uh, the the gender quote unquote gender affirming care. So there are legal protections uh, there, and um, you know the Catholic Benefits Association does uh, does bring them. So Steve, a few minutes ago, you talked about the. CHCLA's core principles, and I'd like to talk a little bit more about uh, those right now. So the core principles of the Alliance are evangelization, education, advocacy, 
and mutual support. So like we did before, I'll, I'll say one of the principles and Steve, you'll respond to the first one and then Joseph, the second one. So Steve, starting off, can you comment on what the principle means and how the CHCLA will concretely incorporate it uh, in its activity? So the first principle is evangelization. Steve. Sure. So everyone listening to this podcast recognizes that uh, at the heart of the church's mission is evangelization. It's bringing the truth of uh, God's love and mercy, uh, particularly in healthcare as it relates to the CHCLA, bringing that that gospel tradition uh, back to the heart of the mission. And you know, it's interesting, uh, Joe, because although that's the heart of what we're doing as the CHCLA, uh, it's the heart of the church's mission. And it's at the heart of the of the work that all of the organizations in this group have been doing. So we're going to continue to do that. We do it at the CMA, for example, through our spiritual retreats for men and women. Uh, we do it through educational seminars. We do it, you know, in the public square by say, you know, bringing, bringing our faith, bringing that truth and love of the gospel uh, into the public square. So it's really not something again, that's new, uh, but we just need to do it with, uh, with zeal and commitment and confidence that the Holy Spirit has taken us to this place at this time, again, to defend, but also to promote uh, this wonderful Catholic tradition of healthcare. And evangelization will be foundational in that effort. Well said. Second core principle to you, Joseph, education. There's an extraordinary need for education. So we have a, a situation where many, many people are poorly catechized, do not know what the church teaches, uh, but in particular in healthcare, there's a tremendous need for the ethical and religious directives for Catholic healthcare services to be better understood and even to be, people should be aware of them <laughs> and following them in, in, very faithfully in Catholic healthcare services. So we see a tremendous need for education on Catholic principles, uh, Catholic ethical principles, the teachings of the church as relating to, to health care. And so we're going to be involved in a lot of different educational initiatives, uh, mostly focused on those ideas, right, of, of the, the church's teaching in, in health care and the, the ERDs, the ethical and religious directives. So I think it's, uh, it's a real opportunity that the CHCLA has to educate many different people about these different principles that some have just not heard about at all, but that are so foundational and important for Catholic health care. Very good. Third core principle is advocacy. Steve. Sure. Advocacy is so important, um, particularly in the environment that we live in today. The socio-political circumstances are such that we're being driven more through government regulation, laws, and the like toward the culture of death. It's just absolutely essential that we're out in the public square. In fact, I mentioned earlier that uh, my first spiritual director was really a scholar of social justice, and I, and I see God's providence in that. 30 years ago as well, because knowing the social uh, teachings of the church, you know, which date back, well, to the time of Christ, of course, but m most recently, uh, the 1800s with Leo XIII's work, and every, every pope since that time has had one or more social encyclicals. They've been preparing us for this time to provide us that framework for how we restore a culture of life, a civilization of love um, in our culture. We really need a cultural revolution uh, and evangelization and education are important, but without our advocacy in a public square uh, where we can have laws and, and, and legal decisions that support this, uh, we can't win the battle. So public advocacy is critical. And I think we're very well positioned with the groups that we have involved at this point and others that will become involved to do this very, very effectively, more than we have been in the last 60 years. Fourth and final core principle, Joseph, is mutual support. So that principle really speaks for itself. There's just a real need for people to, to break out of their isolation and even loneliness, right? If, if you're standing for the truth, sometimes it can be a very lonely thing. And we see it as very important for Catholic healthcare professionals and institutions uh, in, in a challenging cultural context to support one another, to pray for each other, to be... Um, real brothers and sisters in Christ, and not just to fight battles all by themselves and to have this kind of David and Goliath scenario play out over and over again, but rather to have tons of Davids who are working together to, to bring down Goliath. And so we have, <laughs> there's, there's a real need for that. It's something that I think um, 
speaks to uh, to charity and to and to our, our Christian love for one another that we should be mutually supporting and there should not be rivalries and divisions in the body of Christ but rather we should be working together as much as we can and to support one another and so the aspects of that that I find most wonderful you know the CMA's beautiful conference every year where people can come together and and feel the love of Christ but also the the, the truth that is being proclaimed and in a, a very beautiful social and agreeable atmosphere but I think CHCLA is also going to try and, and provide a little bit of the same thing provide a voice uh, that supports those uh, who need to be supported and that works together with so many institutions that maybe are embattled and, and feel a little bit lonely or isolated to say, no, we support you. We're there for you. Yeah. All right. So next question goes to Steve first and then and then Joseph follow up. Steve, I'm wondering what kind of reaction has the CHCLA received so far? So, for example, um, bishops, and you, you talked a little bit about this already, but bishops, maybe even the USCCB, other healthcare systems, what, what's been the reaction so far? I've just really been a little overwhelmed and, and thrilled with the response. Let me, let me begin with the bishops. I mean, clearly our shepherds are, are again, a foundational element of this. Uh, they're, they're the ones that are going to lead this uh, with our support as the laity. But we sent out, I think, about 20 letters uh, to bishops, thinking that naturally, with everything that they have to do, we would get, you know, maybe a half a dozen that would respond positively and be able to, to, to devote any time to this. Uh, as of yesterday, we had 18 archbishops and bishops that had responded quite enthusiastically to the mission. They were sent information about this, and the letter went out from our Episcopal chair, Bishop Conley. Um, and I had the uh, privilege of, of being at the workshop, as you know, with you folks a couple of weeks ago, and I had some conversations with a couple of the bishops that are on our board and other bishops. It was very, very enthusiastic. I mean, they clearly see the need for this. They recognize the uh, challenges that we face, and to bring this group together in support of them has been embraced enthusiastically. Uh, we were also just thrilled, given the state of this being so embryonic, that we had the response that we had from Franciscan, you know, a very, very faithful, uh, large health system uh, that, again, sees the need for this and, and uh, became engaged very quickly, embraced it, supports it. And we look forward to that with others. We have several others in mind that uh, we're reaching out to, and we hope to receive the same support. I also receive uh, emails as the president. Um, I've had some very interesting individual responses to the launch because it's available on the website, uh, thecatholichealthalliance.org. And when people see it, they get excited. They've emailed me, asked me, how can we support it? We've had individuals giving us donations uh, at this point. So I'm, I'm just so grateful uh, that we've had this uh, response initially, even though, as I said, there's a great deal of work to be done and we need to continue to, to reach out and seek that support. But I'm optimistic. I'm very optimistic based on the initial responses. Joseph, any comments? I was also very amazed at the amount of positive enthusiasm. So when, when we did the launch, we didn't know, you know how it was going to play out. And it was amazing. You know, standing room only. <laughs> the, the number of people trying to get into that room to, to be at that historic moment. It was very interesting. But, but also in the press, we've, we've had a, a very strong positive response. In general, I mean, it, it seems like we've struck a little bit of a chord, right? People have been waiting for healthcare to kind of stand up and say, you know, this is what we believe and we want to proclaim this and we want to promote this. And why, why not <laughs> be bold about it and be, be something joyful in a sense about, about what we stand for and to propose it. And that's, I think the most important point right, is that this is an alliance of like-minded organizations and individuals who want to promote something good. We're not trying to impose it on anybody. So I'm kind of anticipating a little bit the objections that might be out there saying, well, you know, what if I'm an atheist and I don't want Christ-centered care? Well, if you're an atheist and you don't want Christ-centered care, you can find an institution that will take care of you in, in, a, in a completely non-religious, non-spiritual way. However, we're not saying that's impossible. You know, you can have that option. What we want to see is the other option being truly offered, being truly promoted uh, as, as something that people desperately want and have a hard time finding. 
And so I think it's it's more a question of proposing something, giving people more options than what they currently have. All right, Joseph, following up on, on what you just said, uh, the, the CHCLA's initiative to renew Catholic healthcare is very bold, as I said before. But what kind of pushback do you anticipate both from secular healthcare and maybe even from Catholic healthcare to the new alliance? So I think there are a lot of groups, unfortunately, who are very radical and they you know, don't believe in respect for human life, respect for human dignity from the first moment of, of conception to natural death. Uh, all those organizations will not be happy to see CHCLA uh, entering the scene. And so I, I do anticipate a certain amount of rejection of, of our core principles from those organizations that have already taken a very radical and secular perspective. I don't think the Catholic healthcare is going to be antithetical to this. I think there's going to be a lot of support um, and a lot of interest in, you know, going deeper into all these different questions, because clearly, I mean, a lot of this is being done currently. So it's more of a question of how do we promote this and how do we make this more available to people? And I think that some Catholic healthcare institutions may need to work on their Catholic identity, uh, may need to work on their their policies and, and the way that they care for their patients to make it more Christ-centered. But I think that what the CHCLA will do is give them a little bit of a spur, right? A little bit of a like, this is out there. You know, these are best practices. These are good things that are going on. And I think those healthcare institutions that could benefit from that uh, will look at it and say, wow, this is interesting. And I think if the track record ends up coming, you know, organizations end up being positively impacted by, by what the CHCLA is saying, I think it'll, it'll create a, uh, an attraction for, for a lot of Catholic healthcare ministries. Steve, same question. What kind of pushback, if any, do you anticipate from either secular or Catholic healthcare? So as I suggested earlier, I really do see this uh, as a spiritual combat. Uh, and, and I expect there will be a very vigorous pushback from those, as Joseph said, who have embraced the cultural trajectory that we're on, you know, don't respect human life, don't respect conscience or religious liberty. I, I'm sad, very deeply saddened to say that the secular medical profession, which I have worked in for so many years and our secular medical professional organizations uh, have in a large part embraced uh, this culture. Uh, and I expect that there will be pushback, but I think it's going to be very important, as Joseph has said at least two or three times in this podcast, we're not imposing anything on people who disagree with us, but we are insisting and will defend the right to practice in accord with our conscience, with our religious beliefs, and according to our best medical judgment. Uh, and I think that will resonate even with people, a large number of people that, that uh, may not agree with us in principle will say, well, yeah, let them you know, have their one in six hospital beds, let them have their clinics. And you know what's going to happen? They're going to run to us eventually because the other Groups are, are going to be advocating death and destruction, and we're going to be uh, advocating life and human dignity, uh, and we know that, that we're victorious. The other thing uh, with regard to Catholic health care, um, I don't anticipate, obviously, anywhere near that type of vigorous uh, pushback. But what I do anticipate, and I don't think we should be naive, I do think that there are many well-intentioned people within Catholic healthcare today that believe in light of the severity of the challenges that we face, that we have to make certain uh, compromises and maybe not serious compromises medically, uh, ethically um, or morally, uh, but compromises in that public square that I spoke about earlier. I mean, we have the social framework to restructure the delivery system. Most of what we've talked about today is the actual delivery of medical care at the bedside and the moral and ethical uh, and medical judgment uh, the things that are related to that. But we have to restructure the delivery system today. It's a disaster. Um, and the Affordable Care Act only added to that. And there are going to be many prudential judgments that need to be made as we, uh, as we work in the public square to do this. And that's where I think that mutual support, that uh, that fourth pillar that we talked about is going to be important. And we have to be willing to have civil discourse within the Catholic healthcare community, working with the principles, the social principles that we have, uh, and help to rebuild the delivery system, which will work to the benefit of everyone in the country, because everyone is suffering today as a consequence of the totally dysfunctional healthcare delivery system that we have. 
All right. So as we move to conclude this podcast, we're going to I'm going to ask both of you for your words of wisdom, and I'm also going to ask you if there's anything else about the CHCLA that you would like our listeners to know about. So Joseph, so I would just say it's very important to pray for the Catholic Healthcare Leadership Alliance. There are a lot of challenges that, that uh, we face as an alliance, uh, just organizational challenges, but also the, the need to grow and to bring more organizations into it. If you're going to be a national alliance, <laughs> you, need, you need to cover the country. You need to have more people involved in, in all aspects. So there's a real need for growth. And I think it's, it's a very important start, but then it also has to continue and to grow. So we have to pray for that. We have to support that. CatholicHealthAlliance.org, the website, it'll be important to, to stay in touch with that, all the different news and, and whatnot that's going to be coming out, just to realize that it's, it's very important, that this is truly interested in the, the Catholic healthcare ministry, emphasis on the word ministry, that we really want to minister to people, and that it, it's a real priority needs to be a priority for the church, needs to be a priority for our society to really offer the best possible care. And that really involves Christ. And so we can't be accepting, I would say, of a discourse that says, you know, healthcare needs to be reformed in some kind of secular way. It probably does need to be reformed in a secular way, but it also needs to be reformed in a spiritual way and to be able to offer people options so that never again, like in this current pandemic that we're coming out of, will people be dying in the hospitals with no spiritual care because the hospital has decided that they're not going to prioritize allowing priests into the hospital to provide the last rites? That sort of thing should never happen again. And I'm hoping that with the CHCLA, we're going to be able to change the the tone of the of the discussion right on a national level and say look it's important for people's spiritual rights for their religious liberty rights to be respected that this is a true contribution to the well-being of our country to provide christ-centered care very well stated uh, and again the website is catholichealthalliance.org and i will link that in the show notes steve you are the president of the Catholic Healthcare Leadership Alliance, so you get the last word. Any final words of wisdom or any other information about the CHCLA that you would like people to know about? Well, Joe, thanks. This was uh, really a privilege to participate in this and to um, you know to discuss the CHCLA and its mission. and And I'd like to close, in particular, with with a note of hope uh, and trust. You know, the theological virtue of hope enables us to trust in Christ's promises that he's made and to rely on on the gift of grace of the Holy Spirit to guide us. And I think all of us feel the sense that this is happening. Uh, So I want people to realize that in the midst of uh, just a true cultural disaster that we live in the midst of, uh, that we are uh, on the right team, that if we maintain that hope and we do so uh, with joy in our hearts in the midst of the challenges that we face, I feel certain will be successful. Uh, I mentioned this uh, in my closing statements at the workshop, and I'd just like to repeat these here. St. John Paul II used to speak so frequently of the new springtime. This is a man who I'm sure communicated with our Lord on a daily basis in a very profound way. Uh, And he saw a new springtime in the church. So in the midst of uh, what we're uh, living in, I see health care as an integral part of the new evangelization and that new springtime. So again, that that is a a reason for us to be very hopeful and optimistic. Um, In addition to that, uh, Archbishop Gomez, president of the USCCB at the November meeting last year, made the statement that he was convinced that there was a spiritual awakening going on in America. And those of us who are involved in any way in the pro-life movement or many of the movements within the church um, and others outside of the church, people who are just like-minded, Uh, I think we see that we're at a point where that spiritual awakening is developing. So it's cause for great hope. We have to trust in the Lord. Uh, As Mother Teresa often said, it's not success that we're seeking, but faithfulness. If we remain faithful, God will deliver. But we need your help. As Joseph said, we're very uh, in the embryonic stage. We, We need your help. Please reach out to us at the website. Ideas, we're looking for ideas. We're looking for support. We're looking for other groups to join us. And together, united as the body of Christ, we can win this battle against the culture of death and restore a culture of life and a civilization and love of love in healthcare. 
Steve White and Joseph Meany, thank you for joining me today on Bioethics on Air. Thank you, Joe. Thank you. Thank you, Joseph. For more information on these topics and other bioethical issues, please visit our website, ncbcenter.org, and subscribe to our publications, Ethics and Medics and the National Catholic Bioethics Quarterly. The views expressed on Bioethics on Air are not necessarily those of the National Catholic Bioethics Center. If you have comments or questions about this or any of our podcasts, or if you would like to subscribe to our newsletter or our Bioethics Public Policy Report, please contact me, your host, Joe Zalot. Archived editions of our podcast are available on our website. Please hover on the Blogs and Podcasts button on the main page and then click Bioethics on Air. Finally, if you enjoy our podcasts and would like to support them, as well as the mission and ongoing work of the NCBC, please go to our website, again, ncbcenter.org, and click on the red Donate button. Thank you for listening, and may God's peace be with you.